Let us pray. Most loving and gracious God, we give you thanks and praise for this day. We pray that your Holy Spirit would open our hearts to hear your voice. Lord, may your word be spoken and your word received. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. In this last section of the Revelation to John, we hear how this book comes to a close by which we hear the Spirit crying out, the Bride who is the Church, uh, praying for the coming of Jesus to return. That the cry is, Come. Let anyone who hears say, Come. Let the one who is thirsty come. That there's an invitation uh, to be receiving what Jesus has to offer. And we know that it's, it's God's desire that anyone who wants to takes the water of life freely. That's the hope and the heart of God is that we will find life in God. That was God's desire right from the beginning of creation. If you go back to the creation stories, were that uh, God desired to create everything was good and it was God's desire that we would all dwell in perfect relationship together. That is always the very heart of God and that will be accomplished perfectly when Jesus returns. And in the interim, we know that the Holy Spirit has been poured upon us to lead us and guide us in that life together in waiting for Jesus to return. That anyone who wants to can freely receive the new life that God has in store for us in and through Jesus. And it's the Holy Spirit's job then to lead us and guide us into the truth, to show us the way forward, to show us what that life together looks like. And in fact, in the, in the interim, I, I think this section from John's Gospel shows us what Jesus hopes that life together looks like. And if you remember, this section of John's Gospel is all part of the discourse that happened at the Last Supper as Jesus was telling the disciples what was to happen and what he hoped uh, would be accomplished for them. And what we see is that Jesus' desire is that we all may be one. Well, I don't know, the church hasn't always done a great job at that. I think all you have to do is count the 30,000 uh, Christian denominations and say it's pretty clear that we're not all one, as Jesus would desire. And we have to look, well, what does that, that unity look like? And I think as this section of John's Gospel moves, what we find is that Jesus desires that we're one in the same love that he has for the Father and that the Father has for him. And that this unity that the church is called to exists out of a place of love for one another. 
Now, perhaps we could produce uh, unity in a lot of other ways, uh, coercively or legislatively, all sorts of things that try to produce uh, a conformity that's sort of a false unity if we miss what's really supposed to unite us is that we're supposed to be united in our love for God, our love for Jesus, and just as the Father and the Son and the Spirit lived in that perfect love from all time before creation, so that is the love that we're invited into. And I think the more that the Holy Spirit comes to, to teach us that, the more then we should find ourselves in a place of unity. Not because everybody uh, necessarily has the same thought about every idea in the whole world, but that the love that God has for us and we have for God and the Father has for the Son, this love transcends uh, having 100% uniformity on every thought of all, of all time. And so sometimes we're looking for the wrong thing in being united. Because we try to create a unity by which we're just all in agreement about everything. Well, if we're looking for that, we're never going to get it. <laughs> I mean, human history has proved that. When has all of humanity been in agreement about every thought? Never. <laughs> you know, and if, if that's the bar, then the only answer is to continue to separate ourselves from one another based on which thoughts we agree with and not. And that just seems like that's going to produce more division, not more unity. But if we can say, what is it that holds us together? What is it that transcends all of our thoughts and our disagreements? And that's the love that God has for us and that we're called to have for one another. And in that love, here and now before Jesus returns, that doesn't mean that our differences of ideas will be obliterated. Because there are diversity and people and cultures and times and places. And that's just not the way it's going to be. Our differences will be overcome when Jesus returns. <laughs> and then everyone will see perfectly and clearly. And presumably there would be no uh, opportunity for argument and disagreement. Because we'll all see with clarity. And so there is a perfect unity that's coming. And in the interim, the Holy Spirit's job is to lead us in this place of love as we long for Jesus' return. Which as, uh, ironically, as the revelation to John says, uh, that Jesus says, well, I'm coming soon. And we think, well, he's got a very different definition of soon than we do. Uh, because uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years we would probably not label as soon. Uh, but we have to remember that when God speaks of things being soon, God also, you know, God created time, so God exists outside of the 24 hours on the clock and the days that we see march by on the calendar. God exists outside of that. So if, if you always were and always will be, then probably any moment in time is just like the, the twinkling of an eye, right? It's, which doesn't make sense to us because we're marching along on a calendar uh, with a clock. And so this is, I mean, it's hard to imagine, well, what does that mean outside of time? Because none of us have been outside of time. All we know is time. But somehow, when Jesus returns, 
I suppose, to infinity it will feel soon. And what we know is it will be at just the right time, just like the incarnation when Jesus came the first time. And some could argue, well, why did he wait so long between all the problems in creation and the time Jesus comes? There's all those years, and we know of all the things that happen. All we have to do is read the Old Testament, and we think, well, couldn't he have come a thousand years sooner, and we would have eliminated X, Y, or Z, perhaps? But we know that the scripture tells us Jesus came at exactly the right time, whatever that means. Because it, it, it shows us that there's got to be something that's beyond my own understanding. That I don't know why that's the right time, but God does. And I don't know why when Jesus returns, it will be precisely the right time. But I suppose that's why God's God and I'm not. I mean, right, that's, that's what we would have to say. There, if God is who God has revealed himself to be, then there are things that are outside, you know, above our pay grade. Right? And that it should presume that God would know and understand things that we don't. Otherwise, that's not, that's not God. If it's just things that, that we all understand on our own, right? So somehow, in some ways, that we don't understand now, but we will, it all happens at the right time. And what we'll celebrate next week on the Feast of Pentecost is the outpouring of God's very presence that he desires to be with us and remain with us. That we're not alone in the interim. The very presence of God has been poured into each of us by virtue of our baptism. And it's the Spirit's job to lead us and guide us and teach us and hopefully unite us together in that love that transcends our differences so that we may be one as Jesus and the Father are one. That's the call. And with longing hearts then, the Spirit joins our prayers with the, with the prayers of the Spirit as we continually pray, Come, Lord Jesus. That's the longing of the church throughout the years, that Jesus would return, that everything would be set right, and that we would finally live perfectly in that place of love where now we only live in a glimpse of that. But we get to start now. We don't have to wait. It's the Spirit's job to do that. And may we come to understand more fully what it means that Jesus and the Father are one and that we've been invited into that love in unity. Let us pray. Most loving and gracious Father, we give you thanks and praise for this day. We thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we pray that we may become one, just as the Lord has prayed for us. May your Holy Spirit put an end to unnecessary divisions. May we come to know the fullness of your joy and peace and love. May we have that love for one another. And may the world come to know you through our example. Come, Lord Jesus. We make this prayer through Jesus Christ, our Lord who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.